you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Around the NFL podcast is legal in the continental United States, but not Hawaii. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Happy Friday. Looking good. Polo twins. What's wrong with the polos? I'm just saying you look you look like adorable like boys that were like, like your family, Mark, how the two boys are close together in age. Yes. You guys look like two little boys together. They gave us these shirts to wear them. Right. Mm. It's like you guys have a bunk bed that you share as well. <laughs> Huey and Dewey. <laughs> You'd have to find out. Uh, Greg, you're feeling chipper, of course, I imagine, after... Sure, it's been a great, great uh, the couple. Disgrace days. that has uh, befallen the NFL. Well, I, I'm happy to see the NFL take it, you know, in the pants, and uh, I'm happy to see Tom Brady's going to be back on the field in six days. I mean, we got less than a week till the season starts. Less than a week. This is a big moment for Greg, of course. Yeah, that's the big news, and we will be getting into it. Tom Brady uh, will be playing Week One uh, after his uh, appeal, or the federal court ruled in his favor. It's a dark day, but a nice day for the throne of ease, of course. Well, there was a moment I actually, there, a small part of me was disappointed not to see what Jimmy Garoppolo had. I was kind of excited just really? to see that. Just a little bit. But I am happy that the league office essentially was punished for wasting all of our time over the last six months. How much and time? money. And money. How much time have we wasted talking about well, this nonsensical issue? Let's check out, too. We had some readers that or listeners that sent in uh, <laughs> some photos here, if you're watching in the video. And this is Greg's Throne of Ease, a big moment for him. Uh, it doesn't get better. This is the new Throne of Ease music, by the way. Wes, not a fan? Sounds like you're on a merry-go-round at a country fair. I, well, listen, I, I think they got the spirit of it. It's got the spirit. Listen, copyright claims have shot down our original Throne of Ease music, but this this does just fine. And we love uh, our listeners sending in all the, you know, what do you call them? I don't Memes? even know. Photoshopped uh, Memes. excitement. Yeah. I mean, pe- yeah. People are excited about the Throne of Ease. 
No, no one is excited about the Throne of Ease. That's <laughs> the whole was point. Like, oh, Rosenthal, of you're the taking of a beating on Twitter today. I was like, I love you, Cindy, and all these Throne. Well, the catch of too is that who would Greg not want to be the, sitting on a Throne the, of Ease? You're the last person that's been like. You're not one of these, you know, Massachusetts people that their entire life centers around Tom Brady's fortunes. I don't think that you really were that concerned whether he played or not. No, not really. I but mean, it's Greg not gonna... cashed out as a fan oh, after stop. the last Super Bowl. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, they've they've won enough. And uh, I've been way more outraged on this issue than you have. That's true. I'm just used to it. Well, you're a Patriots fan, too. I saw what happened in the Super Bowl. I'm not a Patriots fan. Jumping up and down, hugging each other. I'm a football fan. Mm. As am I. All right, let's talk about Dan is still bitter about that Super Bowl where he was put 10 seats down (laughs) in the press box. It's fine that I was seated over there. The problem was when I looked over and the lowest moment in the history of this podcast or this group of people. The celebration on the throne of ease. You guys crawling up the throne of ease. I don't get why it's okay for you to celebrate in the newsroom when the Jets do something, but I can't celebrate a good because football Because I'm a Jets game. fan. It was a Super is, Bowl great moment. How is that any better? In 40 because years. Because I'm a fan of the team. In I'm 30, a fan of a great football jump game. Jump on the bandwagon. I'm the, a fan of a great football At that point of the Super Bowl. It's not even about professionalism. It's about we're rooting for a team you don't like. In, in 40 years, you can tell Jack, he'll be, Papa, I, I don't know why I'll still be talking like yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's troubling. And you can say, I was there for the greatest play in Super Bowl history, and I couldn't even enjoy it because I was holding I was it against there, my buddies. I thought it was a total professional in that <laughs> booth. Yeah, right. All right, getting to a big show today. Uh, of course, yes, we're going to dig into the, the Brady news and what that means for the Patriots and the uh, NFL and, and the, the rest of yes, the Jets and everyone else. We'll get into that. Uh, we will also then, Wednesday, we hit our NFC preview. That was solid. I liked it. You know, yeah, I would went well. B plus, A minus. Move that grade even up with the AFC preview. Perfect timing with Tom Brady in the mix. I think it does. Our power poll, I would think, changes a little bit, right? I would put the Patriots up a little higher. Higher yeah, with 16 up, games. Moved up a little of bit. Of Tommy. Well, I think we all put them up one or two spots. Right. I didn't move them. They were up high. They were pretty high to begin with. You thought they were... I had them fifth before, and I just... Yeah, they're about the same. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. So we'll get it. And by the way, the power poll, no connection to NFL media's power rankings. I not, must not make that clear. Not a shred of connection. No connection at all. And then, uh, yeah, so we'll go through that team by team, division by division, ask some big questions, and then we'll reveal our uh, six playoff team predictions. Uh, so I don't know. That sounds fun. It's a full show. It's a full show. And by the way, if you uh, want to watch this, and like uh, we flashed up some some of those graphics, uh, people that sent in some things, and that was nice. Uh, you could go to our YouTube. Uh, if you go to the NFL channel on YouTube, take us through this, Greg. Well, How do you get to the Well, if you go NFL to our podcast? Twitter account, you can just see the link to our YouTube playlist. We'll be right there at the top of our Twitter account. We'll also tweet it out. But yeah, if you, if you just search it on YouTube, all of our shows are there. What's Around the, the name NFL? of the playlist? Around the NFL. This is all news to me. Yeah. Well, now you're plugged in. We're all plugged in. Uh, but before, speaking of news, before we get to our preview, we check in behind the glass with the great TV. What is going on, guys? Just a quick uh, PSA. People have been asking about the song we use on our outro. That song is by Rappaport William, and it's called Sleepless Nights. I don't what? know if it's available online, but that's the name of the song if you want to. Ian Rappaport? Rappaport William. That oh. sounds made up. Rap sheet. 
So can people, is that on iTunes or anything? I don't think it is because it's an in-house NFL library. So I'm just putting that name out there in case you can, you know. People have been asking. They like the tune. I'm getting some pop too about people. How do people get the Get Your Dan Hansis theme song? <laughs> Who asked for that? That's more about you. I got some heat. Young people Money at on me. iTunes. Young Monday, I believe. It's What's the name of that song again, by the way? Get Your Dan No, no, no. Well, thank you for <laughs> plugging it again. But the name of the uh, outro Nights. Sleepless Nights? Yeah. That's a great name for a song. It is. All right, let's do some news. This is why you lift all them weights. Yes, yes, yes. Here it is. I can't believe the news today. The judge has nullified Judge Richard Berman. The U.S. District Court has nullified Tom Brady's four-game suspension uh, that was levied against the Patriots quarterback back on May 11th when Ted Wells, an independent investigator, hired by the NFL, NFL gumshoe Ted Wells, asserted that Brady had this uh, general knowledge of the deflation of footballs. They banged him with a four-game suspension. The Fed, they go all the way to federal court, and it's ruled that Tom Brady uh, will not have to serve that suspension. Big news. Well, I think there were, to me, three main takeaways from Judge Berman. Uh, Roger Goodell cannot dispense his own brand of industrial justice. He mm. can't be basically the judge and the executioner. Uh, Ted Wells was found not to be independent despite the NFL's claim to the contrary, Judge Berman said multiple times, put independent in quotation marks. And you cannot, this cannot be emphasized enough, you cannot bust somebody for general awareness of a crime. It's not in the CBA. Mm. And frankly, I think it's irresponsible to put somebody's legacy on the line for a general awareness of something. And we've said this all along. Basically, the Wells document did not come up with any proof. And you know, uh, you know you've got a bad case when the judge is throwing air quotes at you yeah. repeatedly for your independent investigation. I took away from Berman that it wasn't so much, he didn't even care whether Brady knew or not at a certain point. He just thought the whole process was such a problem that it didn't even matter whether Brady knew or what he didn't know, that Brady didn't have enough warning of what this whole process should be, what the type of discipline he could have, that everything wasn't in place ahead of time, which is a lot of what you talked about, Wes, months ago. Just that they, they, they were kind of making up the rules as they went along, and you can't do that, and that's why you can't they can't be. Well, that's the biggest problem, because if you're going to roll a sports league, things can't be arbitrary. They have to have established rules, and you can't just all of a sudden start caring about equipment. Mm. I mean, there was a... Jay Feely told Judge Ber Berman in 2009... A Jets equipment man was sanctioned by the league for messing with footballs, the kicker balls. Nobody investigated Jay Feely. Nobody asked him about his general awareness at the time. And this is on top of the Panthers situation, the Chargers situation, where they're caught messing with footballs on the sideline and they get a slap on the wrist. You can't just decide that Tom Brady, because everybody's paranoid about the Patriots, is held to a different standard than everyone else. One thing I'll say, because there are a lot of people that feel, and I remain one of them, that Tom Brady wasn't innocent in all this. I think that he was aware of this. I think they did try to get a, seek a competitive advantage. And I think what's gotten lost here is that Tom Brady, in my opinion, is not innocent. He's, he's as innocent as OJ Why? is innocent in the terms of, yeah, maybe the court has found him not guilty, but I, don't, I still don't think the Patriots should be getting away Why with Why are this. you not asking what Jay Feely was doing in 2009? I don't know anything about Jay Feely. Right. I'm but talking I'm, about What this. I'm saying is this has happened before, and Tom Brady has been treated differently. Well, I, th I don't think anyone denies that Tom Brady wanted the balls deflated less, but 
did he know 11.5, 12.5? Was all that spelled out? You know, is there any was, way to think that I, it was going that, below? All that, and know, that's why else. I'm not going crazy as a Jets fan that this got overturned because I think the NFL didn't handle this very well. I think the suspension was too heavy-handed. I think everything went wrong in terms of how the, the league handled it, and they're paying for it now. But I also I think that Brady really he knew what he did was wrong, and I think the, I still stand by getting rid of the he cell did? phone. Getting rid of the cell phone to me was an admission of guilt to me. Still. He was specifically told he did not need to produce that cell phone. How is it? That's been nothing more than a PR game by the NFL all along and their well, attorneys. Uh, he was told the the phone didn't matter. But the, hold on to the phone, Tom. I, I don't. Why does it matter if he was again. told he didn't have to produce it? Well, no, you hold on to the and phone. And if I mean, there's never been any proof. I, I never got a good way to get rid of proof is to destroy the evidence, by the way. Why are you holding Tom Brady to a standard that everyone in the history of football before this didn't have to be held to? I think it's fair to say that Brady at times didn't look good in all this, that a lot of what he said right. uh, in terms of his testimony wasn't particularly credible. And a lot of the things his agent said weren't that credible either. But it all didn't really matter because it didn't change really what Berman was talking about, which were the things you mentioned, that they were essentially made a mountain out of a molehill and they made up rules as they went along. So it didn't matter if, if Brady was you know, lying or not. I look at this, and it, this is going to be looked back upon as the debacle and the case that wasted our time, mm. and the NFL didn't get it right. Money. Now, well, now the focus is on the NFL and its justice system, because the one thing when it's suspension to suspension, if you're the average fan or if you're writing about the NFL— it is an absolute cryptic maze as to what punishments will be for most of these cases. You have no idea how the NFL operates behind closed doors and hands down its punishments. And in some cases, I think some fan bases say something doesn't seem right. Like one team seems to get whacked a certain way. Another player from another team doesn't. And the NFL cannot simply have this in-house court system that gets things. That's the positive. That's, That's the gonna positive. Because when is they that, go to court, every time the judge says, what on earth is happening with your process? It's well, a disaster. We, we think it will be fixed, and but the NFL is still appealing this. They're going to try to fight it in court. You never know. Maybe they'll win. It seems they need unlikely. To let this go. Jeffrey Kessler, uh, the NFLPA's agent, essentially, in Brady's, in this case, is 5-0 and against the NFL in courts over the last three years. And now owners are starting to talk up about it. And I'm going to mention something I found really interesting that Arthur Blank said the Falcons owner, he said, you know, he would have rather seen it with a positive ruling for the NFL, and he understands why the commissioner in the league feels as strongly as it does about trying to protect the rights uh, the, the league has collectively bargained, and he thinks that's important. That's basically his little preamble. I don't really hate you, Roger Goodell, but here's the hammer drop. I don't think they should be rebargained in a federal court. Having said that, I think the commissioner and ownership around the league have to be prepared to look at things, look at change, and change might be appropriate. And that, that's at the end of a, a big amount of talk from blank, basically, that this is bad for the NFL. It's so obvious that it's bad for the NFL. And Goodell keeps talking about integrity of the game and protecting the shield. He just was a big part in dragging his NFL shield through the mud unnecessarily for the last six months. If Paul Tagliabue was commissioner, he was a very smart PR guy. Maybe he didn't do all the right things, but I think he would have done this quietly, handled it between him and the Patriots, and it wouldn't have been something that we would have been talking about. We would have been talking about the 2015 season. The owners have also talked about the integrity of the game. And what's more important to the integrity of the game? I, I mean, Tom Brady goes out and drops 28 points on the Colts in the second half with balls that were determined to be fair. Then he's the Super Bowl MVP. So no competitive advantage whatsoever. And yet you're going to suspend the Super Bowl MVP for four games 
for something for equipment tampering that nobody's been punishment been punished for before. You've just you're moving the goalpost on what's integrity, I and I don't see, like that. I can't see Goodell stepping down in terms of his authority. I think this is gonna keep going on, and it's gonna be I tricky. I don't that. necessarily believe change is coming. I I just am so used to seeing the NFLPA and Goodell fight that I just think it, it goes think, on. You think he? I think the in? owners. No, no, I don't think that will happen. But I think the owners are embarrassed. That the NFL is embarrassed, and I think they are sick of getting embarrassed in, in courts and being told whatever you said is wrong, this is what's going to happen. And I think that this is what this specifically I think will be uh, the tipping point that will spark change in how they handle things. They, they have to figure out a way to make things more straight through. They can't be all willy-nilly with things. They I, need to change. Well, I, I, I think I'll this will happen. Goodell, basically. I, I like, agree with that. He can't be the judge, the jury, and, and the, the appeals guy. That system all needs to change. I think every owner would agree with that. Every fan, most fans would. But I think there's a pocket of owners that whether or not you think this is right or not, there's a pocket of owners that, that appreciated that Goodell went after Brady and the Patriots. That pocket of owners should be concerned about what the Bucks did in Week 17 to upset the competitive integrity of the game, which is a much bigger I, issue. They ended up with an asset that was reportedly worth three first-round draft picks, Sam Bradford and another veteran player, an asset that they benched all their star players to end up with that asset. I think that's That's fair. competitive. That, that's and fair. that's why the NBA came up with a lottery because teams were losing on purpose. I agree. That's but competitive. West, that's West. integrity. That is, I mean, you've got to address that. That, that okay. Way more important okay, than anything to do with enough, the play to but football. But the point is there are owners that appreciate that Goodell went after this issue too because the Patriots are seen by some as a team that goes a, and does a paranoia. It wants. A, a paranoia. Not just a paranoia, is, a team that has habitually crossed lines behind the scenes, and that's part of the reason everyone All 32 wanted to. Teams Let me finish, West. Lines. Let me finish. All 32 teams. Can I finish my point? No, because right. you're holding the, You're doing what everyone's been doing. You're being paranoid about the Patriots and holding this them to a different called, standard. Wes, this is called an opinion that's different than yours. All right. Well, okay. I'm just saying. Pete, I love there it. There is... A, a, a feeling in the league that the Patriots are getting away with things for years. And I think that's part of the reason something small, yes, like ball deflation, became bigger. So while maybe the Patriots shouldn't have been punished, and they're still as a team getting punished, they got the fine, they lost the pick. While I don't get on the Brady for being this being rescinded, the suspension, I get why this happened. And part of the reason is the Patriots are a franchise that hasn't haven't stayed within the rules and they got banged for it. Here. By the way, they shouldn't have the pick. They should they should give them the pick back. That's a that's a Why fair is point that too. still hanging out there? Because the, the Patriots didn't fight that and, and the best thing I read about this entire um, fallout was from Dan Wetzel on Yahoo and he pointed out how much Roger Goodell should regret not taking the olive branch from Robert Kraft three months yes. ago. Sure. When Roger Goodell had won this, the Patriots were giving up. He even had Tom Brady willing to take a one-game, two-game suspension as long as he didn't have to admit guilt. He just would admit that he obstructed justice. So he could have won this. And everyone thought Roger Goodell, well, he, he got him this time. The Patriots were willing to stand out, and he wouldn't take it. He kept That's fighting, so true. and That's then he right. lost. When, when Kraft stood down, that to give him then the four-game suspension after yep. that, that's when you knew yep. S was going to hit the fan. And that's when Kraft got back in because he's like, whoa, 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 what just happened here? How about that? Good job by uh, Handis. Self-editing. They're not going to have to beep out anything. S means, no, I won't say it. Did right. anyone other than Kraft handle this with the, with the league and the 32 teams as the biggest concern? What do you mean? What does that mean? Kraft all along handled this as... My biggest concern is doing what's best for the league. I don't know if anyone else involved in this had that 
as their biggest concern. Well, Craft we don't know where, well. first think, of all, their actions may look to us one way, where they, how they feel inside and what they're motivated by. We don't know that. I think more than one, more than just one person thought they were doing the right thing. That doesn't mean it was the right for thing. For the league. For the league. But it doesn't mean okay. that it was, but I think there's more than just Robert Kraft thought they were doing what was right for football. It doesn't mean we agree with the viewpoint. All right, let's move on. And before we move on, we should, Wes, you and I, let's shake hands. <laughs> let's turn it into Smash one of the these beat. things. Like, see, this is like uh, Rocky and Apollo, <laughs> but two white guys, basically. That's well, the same thing, other than that. Yeah. Uh, listen, the, you know, that's a very, that's a hot button topic, and we're keeping it real. Well, I'm glad we almost we'll probably 70. never have to talk about it again. Is that's a relief if we do? Really? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. I'd like to see. see it going. I feel like forever. this thing never ends. Uh, all right, let's get into it now. The AFC preview. Uh, listen. There's a lot of stuff to go on. A lot of teams in the AFC. A lot of teams in the AFC. 16 of them. AFC East we're going to begin with. And, uh, you know, we're going to same same structure we did for uh, Wednesday's show where we're going to each of us will uh, ask a question about each of the four teams. And we're going to start with Mark Sessler, who has a question about the Miami Dolphins. A lot of buzz around the Dolphins. Well, and I, and I, I have a question because I'm not sure I buy in. But I look at what they've done on defense. You get Ndamukong Sue in there. I do like the offense. I think it's going to be a, a better attack under Bill Lazor in year two. And my question is this. Is it possible that Miami, I don't know when the last time they did this, could field a top 10 defense and a top 10 offense? That's a great question. I think that's possible. Mm. And we predicted as a group, they, they weren't one of my playoff teams, but in terms of our power pull, the, the Dolphins are going back to the playoffs and Philbin's winning his job. And, and I do think on paper they should have a top 10 defense and offense with Lazor. I don't remember the last time I've been this optimistic about the Dolphins. Mm. And they've kind of changed my mind. I figured they would have a great defensive line. I wondered about the offense, but what I've seen in the preseason, and, and you've mentioned, I, Bill Lazor is basically running Chip Kelly's offense, and I don't know why the rest of the league I isn't trending this, in, I, this every direction. Every time I talk to a coach, I want to ask that question. And I think it just comes down to coaches are dyed in the world with what they were born with in terms of their coaching careers, and a lot of them just won't shift away from it. They need an epiphany. This is why I was always fascinated by Riverbet Rons, because he was brought up, like you mentioned, he was birthed in Lovey Smith, uh, Mike Dick, uh, really conservative football, yeah. and it takes an epiphany to say, you know what, maybe I don't have all the answers. And it would take, let's say, we both, uh, this group believes that the Eagles and the Dolphins are going to the playoffs this year. If both these teams make noise in January, and that will become a major narrative if these offenses are both Two years after it is a copycat league. Especially with a pretty, I mean, an okay receiver group. I would not say an above average receiver group at all. I still worry with this team, and one of the reasons I didn't have them in the playoffs, even though it all looks great on paper, it all makes sense, there's something rotten in the core of the Miami Dolphins that generally they blow it. It's an organizational thing. It goes to the top. You know, the coach, I think they the the coach every, I'm just saying, I don't really yeah. trust them. They could be group. the rare team that makes the playoffs and fires the coach. Mm. Wow. Hot take. Wes, your question. Uh, about the Patriots. You know, they've got Tom Brady back, but I'm worried more about the defense. I think the offense will be fine. They haven't played all the receivers yet. But on defense, they've got a really stout front seven. Dominique Easley, last year's number one pick, looks like lights out in the preseason. Uh, Malcolm Brown up front. Is that front seven going to be dominant enough to make up for the fact that they lost their top three cornerbacks from last year? And nobody really knows outside of Malcolm Butler who's playing cornerback for them. 
And they, the defense not only has to be better because the secondary is bad, the defense has to be better up front because I don't think the offense is going to put up 30 points a game. This is going to be a different formula, and they're good at doing this, but I think this is going to be a formula where Brady's not putting up big fantasy stats and they're winning 22-17. to 17 Why would their offense be any different than last year? Because their receivers are not deep at all. Uh, the running back position is terrible, and they're starting three rookies. Maybe the rookies will be great. What's different than last year, though? I think they're the actually better than three rookies' interior offensive line. The running back position okay. is worse. Yeah, the, the Shane Marine's gone. Yeah, LaFell's not going to be there to start the Gronk year. Gronk at full health, though. It took Gronk like six or seven weeks it's to get healthy last By year. By the way, the Patriots have reeled off multiple double-digit win seasons with some pretty bad defenses over the years. Don't forget that. Jonas Gray had a 200-yard game, and he came out of nowhere. LeGarrette Blunt didn't join the team until after Halloween. They'll be fine. I saw the same are. thing you did, though, in the preseason. Easily and Brown were both factors, especially Easily. Easily it's the best front seven they've had since, since 2004, since they were winning. Easily is the so, guy they thought back. they were getting when they drafted him and disappeared last year, but he looks like a How monster. Gerard Mayo back to How many teams go from having the best secondary they had since 2004 to the next year, five months later, having the best front seven they've had since 2004? Very weird. All right, I will now ask a question, and you know what? I like this Tyrod Taylor story. He's been, you know, a nice surprise in the preseason. But have we forgotten, Mark Sessler, that Tyrod Taylor has thrown one NFL pass since 2012, and is, you know, he's a six-round pick. Are we forgetting a bigger story that Tyrod Taylor has never been a guy in the NFL, and maybe we shouldn't put too much stock in a big season? Well, I think it's it's. I, I like quarterbacks, like I said on the last show, that get time to grow and develop. And I like it better than if he were a first-year quarterback with a lot of buzz being thrown in with no experience. I think Greg Roman has shown that he can uh, work well with a mobile passer and, and, and mold an offense around a quarterback's skill set. He's done that before. And I think, frankly, the reason he's out there, a big reason is that Rex Ryan knows how hard he could be to prepare for for defensive opponents. So, still, though, with Buffalo, I expect to see two or even three quarterbacks start games mm. this year. I don't think we've forgotten it at all. I think the last podcast, we said it wouldn't surprise us if he was benched by, by Halloween. I mean, I, he's the best option for them, but they don't have any great options. I'm more worried about his weapons because he, we know he's not going to carry the team, but the idea would be that, Robert Woods, Percy Harvin, Sammy Watkins, LaShawn McCoy, Charles Clay carry him. And to this point, the receivers are all banged up, and we don't really know how that's all going to work. I mean, if they don't get much from Harvin, Watkins doesn't have the big breakout year, then there's no reason to think Tyrod Taylor is going to play well. But that's not a negative, though, because he has, they have one of the best groups of skill position players. On paper, they haven't, played, they haven't played at all. Right. And maybe it's not a big deal that they didn't play in August, but they, they didn't play at all. Another uh, offense, very similar situation, really, between the Bills and the Jets. A lot of good skill position talent in New York. Uh, not a good quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Will this be Chan Gailey's finest hour? Sprinkles the magic dust on like Fitzpatrick it. and gets a competent offense to go with a really good defense. No. Why not? <laughs> What's his finest hour? I guess he won the Turning Tyler Thigpen into a viable quarterback for well, an eight-week stretch. Well, how many games did that take? Well, I think his finest Five. hour probably came for a brief stretch with Ryan Fitzpatrick in Buffalo, too. I mean, he got Fitzpatrick that massive contract. I like that he's paired with a quarterback that knows him well. I'd take Gailey over Greg Roman. I really? Not. Yeah. He's I done it know. more. He's done it with more. He's done it with different teams. Greg Roman had a good year. When's the last time Gailey was a part of a team that won more than six games? 
Hasn't been on a team with a lot of talent or a great defense like this. All this offense needs to be is average. I mean, I don't think there's a big difference between the Bills, Dolphins, and Jets. I'm with Dan on that. I think that one good thing, and I don't put a lot of stock into off uh, preseason stats, but Ryan Fitzpatrick stepped into a tough situation after Geno got decked. And by the way, I.K. Inampale got uh, released today by the Bills, so happy trails, punk. But uh, <laughs> but Ryan Fitzpatrick did not have a turnover in any of the pre- preseason games. And I, I, I like to think that maybe he'll as he's as he knows his role in this offense he he gets rid of the gunslinger mentality because he doesn't really have the skill set uh to pull that off if he plays smart I think they'll, they'll be okay on offense I don't think they'll be dynamic but I think they could be good enough to score some points and win some game that's part of the reason we'll get to it later why I think they're going to be in the mix I already lost Jason Morrow for a year which is a big a big loss well, your I boy, will say... Your boy Cumbie is going to step up. Chan Gailey offenses do not really utilize tight ends. I read about that's that. That's true. Jason so that's not that. And he's kind of lost in space. Solid anyway. home run you would have hoped that he would step up, but I was going to say that. Brandon Marshall looked good in the preseason. He looks healthy, at least, which is all you can hope for. Decker's healthy. It's, Ivory's looking good. At least it's a healthy group right now. We killed McCallum for not being a caretaker. Fitzpatrick's the opposite of a caretaker, oh, yeah. too. Yeah. All right, let's take a look now at the AFC North, and we will start with Mark Sessler, who has a big question facing the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I think the Ravens are one of these teams, for good reason, that we kind of say, well, they're going to go 10-6 and six and make the playoffs, and Ozzie Newsome and John Harbaugh find a way to figure out no matter what. And you got Joe Flacco, so that's a good start. But I look at their group of skill position players. We just talked about the Jets and Bills. That's a plus for them. Are we overlooking Baltimore's lack of playmakers? They, Rashad Perriman's not healthy right now. You've got, what, Steve Smith looks good, but he's in his final year in the NFL. That's not going to center your entire offense around Steve Smith. Kamar Aiken, you don't have a great tight end group. Uh, Max Williams, right, the rookie. Two X's. Two X's. He's not healthy at the moment. I just look at this, this offense and say... What's special about this offense beyond Joe Flacco? Yeah, people are like locking in Perriman that he was going to be a big factor. First of all, Ozzy Newsom has overall not been good at drafting wide receivers. Secondly, he's a guy who, who tore up draft boards because he had a huge you know, pro day performance. It's not like this was one of the best wide receivers in the league. So you're counting on a couple rookies to immediately have a big impact. which is And missing. they're not going to. Max Williams is not right. going to start for them. Crockett Gilmore and will. Perriman's not healthy. And Perriman hasn't practiced yet. So I, I think it's totally fair to say you're not getting any rookie impact early in the season. So can Marlon Brown and Michael Campanaro and who else? Kamar Aiken. Kamar Aiken, a, a career special teamer. I think it's a fair question, but I do think Steve Smith looked great in the preseason, third preseason game. And Justin Forsett was a playmaker last year. I know we like Tressman, but when you get an offensive coordinator that improves your offense from about 29th to you know, third or whatever the numbers were last year, it's a big loss to lose. Good. I think it's a valid concern. Yeah. Max Williams, two X's. Greg, how would you be different <laughs> if you were Greg with one G? Oh, I'd be much more corporate. Um, <laughs> I would swear less. Um, I'd probably wear more, you know, like sweaters around my neck. There's so you're no sort of, Gregory. You're an, un- you're an unhinged Greg. I would be, days. yeah, Greg, you know, yeah. you're just a little more wild. You know, you're more on your own. I'll tell you you're what. 60% G. I don't think you'd be in front of that synthesizer on, uh, for Delaware right. yeah, with exactly. one G. That's totally true. Well, you're 40% G. Oh, no, 60. 60. Yeah, I'm only Three Gs out of, out of five. Right. I don't know anything about math. Well, Wes, your turn. The Browns. Will we see Johnny Manziel relieve Josh McCown and give them reason to hope for 2016 that they have a quarterback? Because I don't see them as a contender. To me, it's about building something for next year. I don't see them as a contender this season either. 
I, I look at Manziel and the elbow stuff. If, if he were completely healthy, I think he could be in there by week four. And yes, he would be playing probably eight games or more. I think that's what they want is their young quarterback to step up. I think the elbow issue is a bigger deal. I was like, the question might be, will we I, see Johnny Menzel have Tommy John surgery? There has not been one positive sort of word about that. I just mm. think it's more than we're being told. That's the worst. This is beyond him getting back on an inflatable swan. This is the worst possible situation that he gets a arm injury or some type of injury that keeps him off the field and keeps him out of the mix. He could easily almost become a forgotten man this season well, if by the way, doesn't heal. McCown, is, McCown has never started 16 games in a season. It's not that he's injury-prone, but he's had a share of injuries. You could very easily be looking at Thad Lewis as starting eight games, and that's when you suddenly go 3-13. Oh. You, you if Manziel is not healthy. Well, you say he's not injury-prone, but you've seen the way he, he runs around in the pocket throughout yeah, the preseason. He's going to get hit. Yeah. Even when they were playing well, he got hit a lot. I think we're going to see a lot of Manziel. I mean, especially with this organization when they're losing. I think the ownership, the GM took Manziel, the ownership you know, probably wants Manziel to play. I think we're going to see Manziel. You trust, you think he's got it going yeah, who on? Who knows? That's, we're know. just guessing. But I, at some point, I think he'll be ready to play this year. Let's move on to the Bengals, where the Bengals. 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 How do you say it? Bengal. Bengals. Bengals. Am I saying it right? Bengals. Well, you've said it five Bengals. different ways. One of them was accurate. So Andy Dalton has been in the league for four years. This is his fifth year. He's made the playoffs each of those four years. We all know what happens in January. West of this loses each year. Now, at a certain point, how long do the Bengals go with this? Is this a boomer bust year for Andy Dalton if either they flop and miss the playoffs or January happens again? Wes? I think it is. I think he's mm. got the most loaded offense of his career, five years now. They've got a good breakout tight end in Tyler Eifert. Marvin Jones is back. They've got a great backfield with Jeremy Hill and Gio Bernard. A.J. Green's a great receiver. They should be division champions, and pass the first round. That's but I saw A.J. McCarron in the third preseason game make three throws that Andy Dalton doesn't Woo! have in his repertoire. Whoa. Wow. A.J. M.C., that's what I call him. Uh, th- call that him all makes a lot of logical guy. sense from Wes and Dan, but the Bengals don't apply logical sense. That's true. What about them makes you think that if they go 10-6 and six again, that they're not going to just keep paying Andy Dalton his mid-level money, keep bringing back Marvin Lewis. I don't think it's a yeah. boomer bust. I do. I have an answer for that. What about them? Because when Albert Breer was in hanging out with them in June, he reported that the coaching staff sees A.J. McCarron mm. as, a, as a future okay. starter. So they have another option that they choose. Well, and as conservative as they have been with Dalton and, and really kind of baby him, I think, like, at this point, they – they will have to make a change because they have given him five years at that point, right? You've given right. him a long and enough I, time. One thing I will end to what Mark's saying, it does feel, maybe just to me, that the creep of this narrative is getting stronger around the Bengals and Andy Dalton, that it's becoming a real almost like stink on the Bengals that they, they can't move on and Dalton's not the answer. I would wonder if another year of that happened would cause the franchise to act, especially if they're high on the guy behind him. And if you look at the Bengals... Now every time they have a big win, it doesn't it's kind of like, well, okay, that's fine. Do it in January. It's like right. they're not even going they're not going to get a lot of enjoyment out of winning 10 games again, which is a high bar for a team that could do a lot, you know, they could be great or they could stink. The Steelers are our number 3 team in the power poll, which is a little aggressive. Mm. One of the reasons I like them is they made a change at defensive coordinator. Will dumping Dick LeBeau, the old man, the game maybe had passed him by. Dumping Dick. Pay some dividends, and what? will the defense be better? How, how I can, can say that. removing a Hall of Fame-worthy 
defensive coordinator, one of the best play callers on that side of the ball that we've ever seen in the NFL be a plus. Based on what we've seen from the defense so far, they're a disaster. It's the preseason. Well, because it's Mike Tomlin's a defensive coach. He gets someone he's, he's comfortable with. It's not going to be a huge change from He wasn't LeBeau. comfortable with LeBeau? Uh, I don't think. It wasn't a guy he had worked with previously. It was well, time worked, to get rid of Dick. They worked pretty well together. All right, Dan, that's fine. They what? didn't work well together the last couple oh. of years. I would say they underachieved for the roster that they had pretty dramatically. This is exactly why I think we're way too optimistic when we have them third. Because they're mixing in some 4-3 elements in cover two now. It seems like a year of transition to me. It's going to take a year for that defense to know exactly what they're doing when you've got, you've gone from 3-4 for the entire Dick LeBeau era to going to 4-3 and some cover two now. So you're a flex defense. I don't, I, it seems like it's going to be like a training year. They need and a lot Dupree, of young players that aren't Cezier, even, you know. Hayward, McClendon. I mean, they at least have some young people on the roster. Jarvis Jones is probably not going to be a big factor, but they have some younger people. Oh. I think it's good that they got rid of some of the old and slow guys. Greg's already written off Jarvis Jones. Wait, just though, because they're young, though, that's not a plus necessarily. There's a lot of young players that fade out of the league in three years, and some of these young Steelers players have not shown that they're catching on. And you talk about some of the young guys, a couple Steelers guys coming out said there's character issues too. There's a problem in that locker room. Mm. Let's move on to the... AFC South, everyone's favorite division in the NFL. When you think about football, you think about the AFC South. If they have slogans, for AFC South, you know what? Do something with yourselves. Well, Let's start with Mark. Mark, your darling a year ago was the Jacksonville Jaguars. You got all pumped up, uh, but now <laughs> it's ready. You have no, you have no love for the Jaguars anymore, do you? Well, no, I. I... Don't dislike the Jaguars. I think it would be fun to see them turn it around, but I have to ask because I think they've had a very patient owner that said, we have Gus Bradley, a coach. We've got David Caldwell, GM. Let's build something. It's not going to be a one-year thing. But, I mean, honestly, if we get another 4-12 and act out of this team with a second-year Blake Bortles, more talent on defense, do you keep the plan in place, or does the owner get impatient and say, we got, what's going on here? How can you keep doing this year after year? Does anything grow? I honestly don't know the answer to this, if this is a make-or-break year. Because I feel like if they go 6-10 and 10 and Blake Bortles plays great, yeah. that yeah. they'll stick around. I think so it's on Bortles. Yeah. And it's on the context of how the season's gone. They've already lost Fowler. If they lost Julius Thomas for much of the season, if they keep having this terrible injury luck, then you kind of look at how competitive they are. If, if they think they're making progress, if Bortles makes progress, I think they would have to really stink for them this to get is, fired. This is the power uh, or responsibility that a quarterback taken in the top 10 of a draft uh, has on his shoulders he the whole the whole structure is around him so if he fails it usually ends to the guy to the guys that draft him getting wiped out too so I agree totally I think if they win six games and Bortles improves markedly if Bortles looks like he's your future yeah I don't think you're firing them plus if you fire him that means three offensive coordinators in three years Bortles is, is learning a new system again so are all the second year wide receivers which are you know, pretty much the guts of that group. And you, you hate, you've seen it in Cleveland. You hate yeah. just Well, I think Caldwell's drafted well, year. too. He, and Caldwell's kind of been his own guy. He knows what he wants. Well, I think he, he's... The only a, problem is he hasn't drafted any any real, like, pro okay. bowlers. He yeah, hasn't he's drafted okay, any impact players. He's got a chance with last year's class that it could be pretty good. Mm. Wes, the team, you're very high on the Colts. What's your question? Well, we know their offense is the greatest shoe on earth. Their offense is going to be great. That's what Pep Hamilton called them. But it always comes back to the defense with them. And they picked up some guys. Everyone acts like they haven't addressed their defense. They picked up Trent Cool. They picked up Kendall Langford. They've drafted a couple of guys. They've got Robert Mathis coming back eventually. 
So will this will the offseason additions give this defense a backbone in big games, which has been their basically the bane of their existence? Well, based on Ryan Grigson's track record, I don't think you can put much into offseason additions. They turn into Art. What about Trent Cole? They, they turn into Art record. Jones. I, I like Trent Cole, but let's see him do it in Indianapolis. Well, Art Jones is just bad luck. Wow, well, he, he got injured. He's he a good player who got injured. He played last year, and when he played, he wasn't particularly he's playing through good. injuries. I think Andrew Luck, you talk about quarterbacks extending the careers of personnel men and coaches. Ryan Grigson, look at I he's gone out and got some veterans this year, but Ryan Grigson has swung and missed on a whole bunch of players. And one thing that's not gotten better in Indianapolis is you've not improved that offensive line in front of Luck, and the defense has pretty much stunk year after year. You get into a big game in the AFC Championship, you get 45, five, 45 points laid on you. So they need to improve, or I have to look upstairs and say, what's the plan here? I, I don't see it. I don't see it on defense. Josh Chapman and Monterry Hughes, and who's their pass rushers? Mathis, hopefully, when he's, Trent when he's cool. ready. Trent Cole. Jonathan Newsom. Jonathan Newsom was really good down the stretch last year. Okay. Maybe they should be playing him Maybe. more and Mathis less. I mean, the interesting thing we talked in Grigson is that I don't think Grigson's on the hot seat. But based on an article you wrote and Rappaport's been talking about, and really locally, I think Chuck Pagano is going to need to win some games in the playoffs or else they're going to change coaches. But they won two games in the playoffs I mean, last did. year. Yeah, but yeah, it's I think, not an easy thing. you think they need to get to the Super Bowl? Ma- possibly. Can count I, a win over the Bengals in January as a playoff win? <laughs> That's a fair question. I mean, it happened. But in they a, in a banged-up Bengals. They knocked year. off the Broncos. It's not an easy thing to Denver. do, though. You could, co- you could get back to the playoffs as a three seed, lose that first game, and I don't think anyone would be surprised if they got rid of Pagano. And That's fair. Stays. All right, let's talk about one of the buzzy uh, team of ATN candidates. Uh, but I do have to ask, ask the question. Are the Titans... Our 2015, when I say our, the around the NFL group, our 2015 version of the 2014 Jaguars. How dare you? And to people that are maybe new to the show, Greg, we, so we were high on the Jags, not just Mark, uh, and Blake Bortles in particular. We were glowing about him just like we're very glowing about Marcus Mariota right now. Are we getting sucked in by a new shiny toy? Yes. I think the Jaguars this year are going to be better than the Titans. I think the Jaguars could win seven games, be the second place team. The Titans' defense is really the main. Even if Mariota is good, there's no reason to think that the Titans' defense is any better. Well, what 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 is it we're getting sucked into? Because I I wouldn't put the Titans. I, I had them pretty. Here's low what in we're getting sucked into. Point. I'll answer your question before right. you respond. That Mariota will be an impact guy as a rookie. That this team will jump up in wins. What did they have last year? Two wins. Two wins. Two wins. That this is like a six or seven win team. So a big jump in wins, and the quarterback's the real deal. All right. Well, then I am sucked into the idea that they could win six games because I don't think there's that much of a shocking difference uh, to get up to six wins. Bad teams can get six wins. I do believe in Mariota. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I think we all do. I think there's reasons to believe that Tennessee, after being you know lost at sea for years, uh, with a coach that I don't especially love in Wisenhunt. They seem to have a plan. If they found a quarterback, everything does start to change. I don't think they're our version because I didn't believe in the Jaguars last year. But the, the, what you laid out there, I believe that Mariota is the real deal. I believe they're going to have some more wins. They're not going to be a good team. But most importantly to me, I think they're going to be a lot more exciting to watch. Mm. That's a big step up because they were unwatchable yes. for years on end. I think that is where we're getting more exciting, that they're fun to watch. Greg. I will go with the Houston Texans, who I've enjoyed greatly on Hard Knocks. It's the reason you go on Hard Knocks. Now I'm rooting for this team. I like these guys. But I look at the roster. <laughs> you have a question? <laughs> Why does anyone think the Texans will be any good? Oh. Well, what, they won nine what, games last there's, year. There's J.J. Watt. They have the best defensive player in the league. Other than that, why are they any better than the Titans or Jaguars? 
Tell me. Like, what is it? JJ Watt. I can't answer this question. I, that's what I I'm asked, talking uh, about. I asked Maurice Jones-Drew and Ike Taylor this question when I was on the couch last night. New NFL segment, On the Couch with Dave Damashek, whatever it's called. <laughs> NFL Sunday Blitz. They're, they yeah. all, they I like all, On the Couch better, let's be honest. They predicted the Texans would win 9 or 10 games, and I pointed out that they had the easiest schedule in the league last year, and they totally dismissed that as a factor that every team in the league is hard to play. And I just looked at them like they were crazy. Like, of course schedule matters. Of course it matters. And you, and you have advantages that they're still in the AFC South. I'm just saying, when you look up and down, what is this team good at? You don't have a good quarterback. You don't really have a great defense, I don't think, other than why. Like, there's nothing that gets me excited about it. Well, I think what you're saying is that last year's 9-7 and seven record wasn't really that different than a few things changing and them going 7-9. and nine. Or 5-11. So, and 11, Well, yes. I don't think they're a 5-11 and 11 team because I, I, I've started to look at Bill O'Brien as a good coach. I don't think that their quarterback situation is worse than last year. It's still very shaky, but it's not worse. You still have the best defensive player in the league, and you got some talent on that team. You can win. You can go 8-8. Eight and eight. I, like I, can, I can make an argument for yeah. this. So the Texans' defense was a top-three defense down the stretch last year in the NFL. Brian Cushing looks like he's a different player this year than he All was right. last year. Jadevian Clowney, you might get an mm-hmm. impact from him this year. We'll you see. might not. I think their secondary could have been a little bit better. Their first-round picks look, looks like a hit. Vince Wilson. So you could have you could have a top-five NFL defense. Okay. All right, let's yeah. let's move on to the AFC West. Mark, get us going, baby, with a silver and black. Well, I mean, the Raiders have been, uh, you know, the butt of many jokes on this podcast for but. a long time for good reasons. But that's but, a Danny, funny word. <laughs> the butt of the jokes. But let me I see let me ask because Reggie Took McKenzie, his. who we've flamed endlessly. I look at the last two drafts, and you know he 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 was high enough where you pick players that you think are going to be good, and they were. And it's Khalil Mack turned out to be the guy. You have a young quarterback. You have Amari Cooper. Is Reggie McKenzie starting to quietly build a quality team? I don't believe that he is. I think he's quietly building a six and ten team or a seven and nine team. <laughs> All right, for this year, but that's no. What, I that's mean, well, I don't believe it. There's nothing. I know that scouts and executives and coaches love Derek Carr because he can spin it, and it takes no effort. That's what right. they always say. He's yet to show that he's a decent quarterback. I mean, an uh, analyst, I respect Ryan Riddle. He used to be on the Raiders. He follows them closely. He thinks Matt McGloin is better than Derek Carr. He's watched every snap Yikes. this preseason in general. I saw that last year. Ra- Matt McGloin is a, good, is a good quarterback. He's okay. He's been overlooked. I think Matt McGloin is, is one of the best. I think backups. he's built a respectable roster that it does not look out of place in the NFL, which is different than most of the That's Raiders teams. Recently. well put, yeah. All right. How about uh, Wes? You give us your pick for a uh, AFC West team. Really, more a question. Wes, your turn. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, everybody knows that Alex Smith didn't throw a touchdown pass to a wide receiver last year. In fact, he went 594 days without a touchdown pass to a wide receiver. I did not know that. Well, now he's thrown two weeks in a row. He's thrown a, a touchdown pass to Jeremy Macklin. So basically... Alex Smith is Johnny Unitas now. He's got this touchdown <laughs> streak that will never stop. It, will the preseason magic Alex Smith to Jeremy Macklin connection hold up during the season? Is that a sign of things to come? I think it will because I think the Chiefs are one of those teams that kind of what you see is what you get. And Macklin is not a guy that's come out of nowhere. You have Kelsey on that team as well, which gives defenses a lot of headaches. 
Macklin is going to come out of this season changing what we think about this passing game as a zero touchdown. Oh, changing what we think about Jeremy Macklin, who's we're not a lot of big fans of Jeremy yeah, Macklin. What you room. see is what you get. What you see is a bowl of oatmeal. I mean, this is a boring roster. I think Alex Smith at this point is overrated. I mean, I would rather have Jay Cutler than Alex Smith. I'd rather oh, have no. a lot of quarterbacks oh, than God. Alex Smith. Oh, Just because Throwing he can... a touchdown a game, he could do that. So Alex Smith ends up with 16 he, touchdowns. He's a mid, I, I think he's right there. He's not a much different than Andy Dalton. He's in the mid. It's like, why do people love Alex Smith so much? I don't know if people do. I think people kind of know what Alex Smith is. He's boring. That's what he is. <laughs> You're boring. Let's, mo- let's move on to the Denver Broncos. And a question that we've been asking for a few years now, throw it out there again. Is Peyton Manning about to stick it to the football cognoscenti once again? Big word. Once again, he did it before. He did it after neck surgery. Wait, doesn't the football cognoscenti generally regard him as the greatest quarterback of his generation and perhaps of, of all course time? Yeah, well from a, a larger sense a Are you macro about sense the hot take machine but the micro sense which is the 2015 season should have replaced football cognoscenti with dave damashek i know that is not true <laughs> because a lot of people think peyton man and wait a second you guys all think that everybody thinks that manning is not going to be manning anymore but, what but is he going to stick it to everybody again? <laughs> All right, then how about this? I'll say I don't think he's going to be anything numbers-wise what we've seen in the past few years because mm. I think they're going to be much more of a, everything they've said, John Elway on down, they're going to be a run-focused right. team. Not 50 touchdowns, but... All right, but I also think I look at him in the three, four preseason games so far, he does not look like a great quarterback right now. He does not throw in with authority. I just, I, so I don't think he's going to turn, flip a switch? I don't know. I think they're going to be fascinating to watch because the defense, I think, is right there among the most talented defenses in the entire league. But Manning, and the difference between him and Kubiak's offense in terms of shotgun, in terms of two tight ends, using fullback, like it's it's as different as can be. So watching that tradition is going to be I do like the idea of Peyton Manning sticking it to Damashek again, as we have in the graphic here. (laughs) Uh, Dave, who's been waiting for Peyton Manning's career to end for like six years now. It's clearly personal. Uh, will he stick it to Dave? I invi- How about that, Wes? I invite Peyton Manning to stick it to me or to Dave because he certainly didn't do it last January. Mm-hmm. I, another uh, big-time quarterback in that division who doesn't have as much help, Phillip Rivers, with an improving defense and some changes on offense. Does Phillip Rivers finally have enough help to win that division? No. Well, the help would be the Broncos falling off a cliff, and I don't think sure. that's going to happen completely, so I would say no as well. I see the Chargers relatively the same team. Number one, Melvin Gordon, from what we've seen, that was the guy that was supposed to be the whole offense is going to channel through him and Rivers is going to get... Why are we writing that guy off so soon, though? Well, yeah, have you watched have him? Like, two preseason Have games. you watched him? I, yeah, no, I did watch him, but why, we, why, is it, why is it games. over for Melvin Gordon? It's not over. It's not over. I don't... He can develop into a running back, but he's right. so clearly right now is not a running back who's going to help what you. What if he was just nervous? Maybe it was his first games in the NFL and he wasn't ready yet, and he gets a little Hold more on. comfortable, and by week four he's an offensive rookie of the year candidate. Can easily happen. Okay, what if he was just nervous? But almost everyone who evaluated this guy coming out of college had the same concern that he's shown in these games. He thought he was like a Chris Johnson with a little more power. Like a late career Chris Johnson, where he's just boomer bust. I think the defense is where Rivers could get help, too. The secondary is good with, with Verrett and Flowers. You know, I think this could be a good-looking team. You want to hear just one really weird stat. Ma- Malcolm Floyd, Phillip Rivers, Antonio Gates. They are the first trio to play 12 years together 
in over 40 years. There was, and, wow. and the other trio wow. is some random Jets one. I can't even remember off the top of my head. Mm. Wait, who's your guy in Vegas? Uh, Horshack or whatever? <laughs> The Spice Rack. The Spice Rack. Horse. Spice Rack was, is a huge Melvin Gordon fan. I know. Fan. He's got to be nervous. I, he's, I'll ask him today if he's nervous because we disagree on this issue. All right. Let's do some predictions. Spice Rack's entire career is on the line right now. All right. <laughs> let's quickly, Let's go around the room and do some predictions. <laughs> what would you say? What a career it's been. The Spice Rack. I mean, it, it doesn't exist. You guys haven't even noticed. What is the football life coming out for the Spice Rack? <laughs> October? Sizzler. All right. Your playoff picks. All right, well, there it is on the board. If you're listening at home, it's the Colts at number one. Wow. Steelers at number two. Uh, the Patriots, number three. Fourth, we've got the Broncos. Okay. Number five, the Miami Dolphins. And number mm. six, the Baltimore So Ravens. all you're honking about the Ravens is just well, out there. Well, you know, TD wanted us to come up with a little, you know, side item. And I'm wondering if I've maybe overrated the Ravens because I have watched them for so long. That <laughs> Classic Sessler move. I just, I just no plug, him into, a, quite I like just plug him into a playoff spot and maybe, you know, this team isn't quite at that good this No season. one second guesses himself before, like, the opinion's out of his mouth faster. Than well, Mark listen, Sessler. I am willing to admit that I am human. I make many mistakes. This could have been one of them. You have yourself covered in both ways now. Good job. Very smart. Wes, your picks. Uh, like Mark, I also have the Colts in the number one spot, uh, followed by the Patriots, whom I moved up following the Brady news to number two. I believe they were third, and now they're second. The Broncos are third. Steelers, I still have questions about them. Uh, Ravens fifth, and Dolphins sixth. Very similar. Dolphins, to me, I know we worry about Joe Philbin. Dan especially worries about Joe mm. Philbin. I think Bill Lazor's driving this team. Mm. And I've, I'm on board with Mark. Tannehill looks good. I just feel like this, this Chip Kelly offense is such an advantage, and everybody's always wide open. You know what happened here, Dan? This turned into consensus corner. They agreed on everything. <laughs> yeah. So that ended up being our group picks. Bill Lazor will we be had our own minds and did some, that. you know, things. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's polo twins. Sometimes they get on the same page with things. They get on rolls <laughs> together. Uh, all right, my board. Here we go. What are your picks? Let's just hear them. Let's go for it. Shut up. <laughs> Uh, the Steelers are my number one team. I believe the Steelers will go 12-4 and four this year. The Pats at number two uh, with Brady, 16 games. I think you got another 11 wins at least coming. The Colts, uh, three, they'll win the division. The Broncos at four, I think I don't love that division. The Ravens at five because the Ravens are always in the mix, and I like them again this year. And, yes, I have the Jets at number six, the what? New York football Jets. And uh, Or are you kidding me? Honestly. <laughs> Honestly, like, here's, here's the thing. Like, I, why should my opinion wildly shift? Back in uh, June, when I thought they had a chance to make the playoffs, everybody was like, well, yeah, they, they'll be in the mix. And now, for some reason, and I'm not even sure why, maybe it's because a guy got his jaw broken, now everyone's like, oh, this is a completely insane pick. This is a team with talent on both sides of the ball. And, big if, their quarterback does not kill them, they are going to win at least nine games. I'm almost certain of it. Dan, be wrong in June and wrong in September. It's a good thing. <laughs> also a team we thought would make the playoffs last year. My board! Yes. I have the Broncos number one. What? I think the Broncos defense with Wade Phillips could be the number one defense in the league. Take out I agree. Seattle. And that would lead the way. Steelers number two, Patriots three, Colts four. And then I got the Chargers and the Bills making the playoffs. None of us had the Bengals. I like this Chargers team. I think this Chargers team is pretty balanced throughout the offense and the defense. I think the defense could be dramatically improved. They have a top 10 quarterback. I think they could be a fun team to watch this year. 
And so I like them to make it back to the playoffs. You always like the Chargers. Yeah, why not? You know what? The Bengals don't deserve our respect. None of us. <laughs> Bengals. They don't deserve our <laughs> respect. You're right. Win something, Bengals. All right. I like Mike McCoy. See? And by the way, I might be wrong in June and now, but I don't see the Browns on any of those lists either. Sesla. Yeah, but that's because I didn't Sesla. put my own team on there. Sesla. That's what you went and did. <laughs> I believe. I am a fan who believes. And that's it for Friday's edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Wes. I love you, baby. Love you, too. We're that good. That was awkward. Uh, we'll be, that was awkward. We will be back on Monday. Tuesday. Oh my, Tuesday. Oh, my God. Labor Day Monday is an American holiday. On Tuesday, we will be back. Uh, and then the big season starts Thursday. Dan Hans is signing off for the quiet storm. The mailman, the boss, TD, and everybody behind the glass. Till next week. I'm lonely, I'm lonely, I'm so lonely. Fill this void, someone fill this void. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.